it is so chaotic and ridiculous that I am confident that it will not last. And by not last, I don't mean that like Twitter will be destroyed. I believe Twitter is more resilient than Elon. I believe that uh, that Twitter will outlast and and will will eventually um, be fine. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 109, recorded on December 22nd, 2022. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we do our third holiday special where we talk about whatever we want, a plethora of topics, including Twitter, Elon Musk, Christmas trees, travel, and so much more. Folks, for the first time in over a month and a half, let's actually take a look at the exact dates we recorded on today is one day before this goes out to are those 22nd. new headphones i have that that model uh no these i've been using for months now so you're just okay. not observant <laughs> <laughs> we it doesn't even actually say so yeah we recorded we recorded on november 2nd with jane yeah and the last time we recorded without a guest together was October 27th. So wow. it's almost been two months. It's almost been two months since we've had a mono a mono ADSP recording. I've been looking forward to this because I actually haven't talked to you in like, you, yeah. you were gone to Kona and then to Japan and then to Amsterdam. And ever since you've been back, I've, I was away for a bit. Anyways, how's it going? First of all, happy holidays. I think, I think we agreed last year we're allowed to say Merry Christmas because it's our podcast and we can do what we want. But did we? Uh, Merry, well, well, we did. <laughs> I have a Christmas tree. Wait, one second. Oh, yes. So Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays to whatever non-religion or religion or religious thing. I can. Yes. And I also see a, a, what is that called? A stocking? A little Santa's boot stocking? I have successfully not set the apartment on fire. (laughs) Is Is it a real tree? Yeah. It's Ooh. a real dream. Is that allowed in your apartment, or are you breaking rules here? And hopefully, none of the uh, well, board of the uh, doorman, the doorman helped me bring it up, so I'm pretty sure that it's <laughs> so, okay. so probably it's okay. <laughs> Damn, why? So uh, you know, just try and try trying out different holidays. What's going on, Bryce? <laughs> well, I'm Jewish, but the girlfriend is not Jewish, so I see, I see. So you've compromised. Yeah. Although I've, I've you've told well, me. Well, no, I got, I got it, I got it as a surprise. But she's not like you know super into christmas but she never really had like christmas tree growing up so i was like all right well we got to get a christmas tree got to get a christmas tree i do not have a christmas tree i've got plants but no christmas tree because uh, it's uh more work than it's worth um yeah it, it does seem to be like a lot of work and um you know i um <laughs> i so okay all right also too let's just pause here for some folks this is our third holiday special episode if you if you're new to the podcast and didn't go watch the entire backlog which i mean come on what are you doing you're probably on holiday right now head back to episode zero and work your way through it we talk about whatever we want to today so it's gonna probably be 30 minutes 60 minute episode last year i think we committed to going on a trip to slovenia our number one our number <laughs> one country and uh we called that episode uh holiday special ljubljana which is the capital of slovenia here we come 
And uh, the first year, who knows what we talked about two years ago. But anyways, back to you, Bryce. So for folks thinking this isn't technical in nature, you know, that's, this so is what this is. So I wanted to surprise the girlfriend with the, uh, the Christmas tree. Um, and uh, so I did all the preparations. She was in uh, Portland for work. And so I, I did all the preparations that week. Um, but I then she came back in the weekend. And so I had everything like prepared. I had all the gifts wrapped and like hidden in various places around the apartment. And that part was actually easy because she's short. She's like five feet, feet <laughs> tall. And so I just put everything, not even high. I didn't even put things at like a high height. I just put things at like a regular height for me. And I'm like, I didn't even have to worry about her looking up because she, she just like her, her awareness of the world ends at like six feet and she's not going to look up taller than that. So I just I just hit all all the the gifts, um, and uh, I I I you know I asked people on Twitter for advice about uh, you know how how to buy a tree, and pretty much all of my uh, respected friends and colleagues on Twitter told me you should buy an artificial tree um, because you know it's a lot less hassle, it's less expensive. Um, but she had said she likes to smell pine, so I, I ignored everybody's very timely and, and, uh, wise advice, um, and, and bought a tree. But I, I determined that I needed to buy a tree on, on Sunday, and she had tennis from like, t- uh, at two on Sunday. Um, and then she was gonna come back at around, 4.30, and then she had a facial at 5.30. And Jesus, we're getting a whole, like, you know, <laughs> giving up people a lot of information to stalk your girlfriend here. Uh. Yeah. But, um, but so what I, I felt needed to happen was that after she got back from the facial, that's when the tree needed to be set up, and I was going to cook dinner that night. Um, so I would have between, like, 5.40 and seven uh to set up the tree and to like to sort of set everything up um and so my plan was okay when she's playing tennis i'll go and buy the tree and i'll get the doorman to hide it somewhere in the building um and then i'll start the food prep for dinner um and uh and then uh when she's at the facial i'll do the actual setup and I made a mistake, and the mistake was that, like, a day or two before uh, the event, I I was just going to make, like, steak. Because she just loves steak. Like, steak and steamed vegetables and mashed Who potatoes. Who doesn't love steak? Like, oh, that, that, is, that, that is, like, her ideal meal. And, like, like I'm not saying that she likes bland food. She just, she likes very simple food, you know? She whoa, likes, whoa. She steak? Likes, she likes simple Steak is food. not bland. She likes simple food, like, done well. She, like, she doesn't want things that are, like, over-seasoned. Um, but so that meal was going to be simple, but then like a day or two before I, uh, my favorite YouTube chef and baker, I saw a new video from him on this potato soup and I'm like, that looks really good. I'm going to make that instead. So I printed out the recipe. I did all the meal prep, but it's a soup and, uh, soups, you know, tend to take a bit of time. They have to simmer and they tend to need a bit of attention. Um, in particular, this one, it needed, there were like, there were two steps where I needed to do something for 10 minutes. And then there was one step where I needed it to like simmer for, for 40 minutes. So there were like 30 minutes of 
like active cook time in the like where I needed to be at the stove during in this recipe. And I only realized this after I had purchased the tree and after she'd come back uh, and, and was in the apartment before she left for the facial. And so then I realized, oh, crap, in addition to having just about an hour to uh, set up and, and decorate this tree and set up all of the presents, um, I'm also going to have to cook dinner and, like, be at the stove at the same time. <laughs> So, oh, and, and and I had, you know, the dog in the apartment who was, like, very confused and scared um, by the Christmas tree. And um, I also had to get a uh, a bow on the dog, which was no easy feat. <laughs> so, Jesus. about five minutes before she, she comes back into the apartment, things are, like, a complete chaos. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. Um, but then everything, everything sort of came together. But... I got Christmas tree lights, um, like the ones you plug into the wall. But then I realized, um, like, is there so, a different kind? Well, no. What, what? Yes, there is. There, are, there are battery operated ones. And I realized a couple of days before, like, you know, there's not really an outlet that's convenient to the tree. Um, and so maybe I'll try some of these battery operated ones. But um, I got like four of them, and like they each have their own battery pack. And then I had to, like, figure out, like, okay, like, well, how do I, like, string these around the tree and place the battery pack in a in a place where it's going to be easy to reach? It's just, it's not a very well-decorated tree. Um, I will put pictures of it on Twitter since I asked everybody's advice. But you have to understand that the reason it's not very well-decorated is because I had about an, I had about 20 to 30 minutes to decorate it while I also had soup that was somewhat burning on the stovetop. Well, perfect. This is what you do. Send me one of the photos. Boom. Tomorrow, tweet tweet it out with the episode. Yes. It's completely festive. Fits perfectly with the festive theme of our holiday special. Although, in the past, we've talked about nothing festive before. So, this yeah. is our first festive holiday special. And so, speaking of my travel... Um, Wait, how did the soup turn out? Don't don't leave us hanging oh, like the, that, the my soup, guy. The soup was great. I just had some of the soup and some of the leftover steak. Perfect. All right. Well, I mean, that's what's, that what matters most is the, is the potato soup. Is... Uh, I was like, who's joining this call? <laughs> Holy smokes, what is this? This was my year in travel. Wow. I will uh I will also I'm looking at what looks like a crime, one of those Philadelphia, you know, sunny in Philadelphia boards. It's like we we can see that the uh the syndicate is headquartered in New York. There's still a lot of activity and in, uh, in Europe and it seems like they definitely have a sort of mini syndicate over in Hawaii. So, so I have flown 33 flights this year, 19 domestic, 14 international. I have flown about 80,000 miles, which is around the Earth, 3.2 times, or a third of the way to the moon. I have been on a plane for 7.8 days this year. How does it feel to be killing the planet? <laughs> yeah, we're going to ignore that one. <laughs> do you lose any sleep at night no. knowing your carbon footprint is like I, I, like 100x the average it's probably actually a thousand x i lose no sleep i love planes um, <laughs> i have been I, i've had eight flights in the uk uh, 27 flights in the u.s eight flights in the uk four flights in japan um and i guess i've been to canada once um i've also gone through hong kong um and the netherlands um, let's see what other stats are here that are interesting. <laughs> My flights per month. So, 
Definitely, definitely ramped up. Yeah, in July, <laughs> six months, then five months in August, five months in September, only two in October, which is shocking. Actually, I'm not sure that's right. I might have missed some. Um, seven in November and uh, four in December. Yeah. And so wait, how many flights in total this year? 33. I'm trying to just roughly ballpark. I, d- I definitely did not hit double digits. I mean, I fly nowhere n- nowhere near as much as you do. Oh, and but, I, uh, I've also flown around the world uh, twice. Like I've had two trips where I've gone um, uh, entirely around the world. The first one was um, uh, New York to London, London to... Um, uh, to Tokyo, Tokyo to um, Toronto, Toronto to New York, and then the second one was um, uh, New York to Dallas, Dallas to Honolulu, Honolulu to Kona, Kona to Honolulu, Honolulu to uh, Tokyo. Um, Tokyo to Osaka, Osaka to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam to Veldhoven, Veldhoven to Dusseldorf, <laughs> Dusseldorf to London. How do you memorize this stuff, um, my guy? And London to New York. I told you, I like planes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Is your is your goal is your 2023 goal to beat this? <laughs> yeah. And and I I've uh, uh I've had very good luck this year on uh on upgrades and on traveling on points and that has been that has been excellent. Yeah, maybe in uh, maybe in my retirement I'll uh, I'll be able to, you know, hit Bryce level uh mileage. Yeah, I I think I may I may beat this uh, next year. We just um we just booked our. We're going on a, a family vacation. My my whole family's going to, to Tuscany uh, next September, and we just booked our flights. And um, the girlfriend and I are gonna spend some time in uh, Spain before that. Um, and so is that like to juxtapose with the wedding in Italy? With the what in Italy? I thought you said you were going to a, a wedding. Or is it a conference? Isn't there something in Italy you were doing next year? Yes, there is a um, that's in May. The GTC one meeting is in Italy. Um, this is an unrelated Italy trip. I'm just going to mm. be in Italy twice. Like it's just I happen to be in Japan twice this year. I'm going to happen to be in Italy twice next year. But gotcha. um, we are flying. Uh, we we just booked our our tickets on points to to fly to uh to get there to um, Milan in uh on Emirates, which is uh. Oh yeah, I've seen the videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They um, usually have a bar, a bar at the back of the plane. They do have a bar at the back of the plane, and um, uh, so we're flying there in business class, and then Ramona is flying back in business class, and I'm flying back in first class. Hopefully, we're going to upgrade her because I haven't quite told her yet. But if there's only one business, if there's only one first class seat, as as much as I love her dearly, as much as. I typically would be the gentleman as my, you know, I do all of our laundry. I do all the cooking, all, all, all the things like that, but I'll be taking that first class seat. <laughs> That's understandable. I wouldn't spe- expect anything less from you, Bryce. I um, think she, she like you understands that I have this weird, like childish joy about airplanes. And I think that like, she totally gets that, like, that I will get 10 X out of that experience that she will. 
That's true. What do they call that theory? Uh, utilitarianism? It's, you know, yes. The greatest yes. amount of joy yes. for the greatest amount of people. Yes. And that, that is going to be the argument that I will use. <laughs> You're welcome. But, um, but please, Emirates, open up another, another first class seat so that, so that I don't have to have this argument. But there's a shower on board that plane. I am going to yeah, shower yeah. on the plane. Ugh. Do you know Casey Neistat? I don't know that I do. He's a famous YouTuber, and uh, he had a couple of viral videos of like flying on the most expensive, you know, airplane ticket in the world, and it was one of the Emirates flights, and it had a whole, you know, yeah, shower you get to go use for twenty minutes or ten minutes or something, and blah blah blah. And anyways, he filmed himself taking a sh- like not, you know, you didn't get to see <laughs> him fully taking a shower, but he took the camera in there and he's like, "Look at this, I'm taking a shower on a plane," and I was like, you know. <laughs> I do, I do have a, 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 a travel related side. You and I have talked, although not on the podcast before, about my, um, my obsession with traveling on points. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's, that's become my, my, uh, my new thing. The, the way I've justified it is like, I, I need some, some pastime to do and I can get very obsessive about my pastime. So like, I can't play video games because then I would just spend all my time playing video games. I mean, you could play video games. You just choose. Yeah, but to it, do I would just, it would just consume all my time, and, and and so if I'm going to do something obsessive in my spare time to keep myself amused, um, figuring out how to maximize uh, credit card spending and loyalty points and and frequent flyer miles and stuff like that, um, that seems like a pretty good a pretty good use of my time because the, the vacation we just took to Japan, we did pretty much all on points and the trip to Italy and Spain next year, we'll do all on points. Um, but uh, <laughs> one thing I've been researching recently is could I become my own travel agent? Because travel agents have access to the airline in, um, inventory systems. Um, they can issue their own tickets. They can like, they have a lot more information than your typical, you know, frequent flyer. <laughs> So I've started researching, like, okay, what would I have to do to become certified, like, as a travel agent, so that I could just get like access to um to all of the the airline inventory systems, and also travel agents get like great um uh, deals because all the airlines um and all the hotels and all the, the the tourist companies want the travel agents to you know try out their product. So I I've, I have been researching this. I would assume, like my first thought is that you you get stuff in like bulk from like Costco style, you know. So like you have to do a certain amount of business. <laughs> would you would you be able to satisfy that, or is well, that well, like a you, wrong you, assumption? To, to get sort of well to deal with any of the um, to deal with airlines and hotels, etc., you have to get certified by one of the major travel agency, um, you know. Uh, uh, industry organizations and the reason for that is like there's a lot travel agencies tend a lot of them tend to be small businesses and um you know let, let's say that somebody's got like you know you start a travel agency in your you know as your home business um how does how does american airlines know that you're legit and how have how do they like vet you to determine whether they're going to give you access to their systems and that you're not going to abuse it well the, the answer is they don't what they do vet is they vet that this, you know, this um, industry organization for travel agents, um, you know, American Airlines agrees with them 
hey, you know, anybody that you certify will will give access to our system. And then that agency, uh, it, you know, comes up with a certification process, usually involving some money for people that want to become travel agents. And you, you have to like, like show that you have like a somewhat legit business and show that you have assets and that you're not just like, you know, a rando on the internet. Um, but, uh, but <laughs> I have a great desire to figure out how to make this happen. All right. I look forward to you being my travel agent as yeah. well. Um, yeah, I do. I do now have, um, a, 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 a number of my friends now know that if they want to travel somewhere or if they have questions about like, how do I get from point A to point B? They do now know that they can totally nerd snipe me by just asking me and then I'll be like, you know, I'll just like spend like four hours that day like researching and sending them back like way more detailed information than they need. Yeah. Um, it brings me great joy. It does bring me great joy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've hit the 20 minute mark. A few of our yeah. listeners have turned off by now. I do, but- I do have a technical topic. But wait, I want to get to my questions for you first, um, and then we'll get to... So we've got a list of things to get to. I think the first and most important pressing thing we need to discuss is... Do you know what it is? I actually didn't, I actually didn't DM you this one. So this is, this is a topic you don't know about, Uh-oh. but we have, to, we have to discuss. I mean, it's, it's very topical. Everyone's talking about it. And it's relevant for both of us, obviously. I don't know. Twitter. Oh, Twitter? No, I don't want to talk about Twitter. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking about Twitter. I can cut this out if you don't want it to air, but we need to talk about Twitter. Look, I, I, pe- people may have wondered, why haven't I tweeted anything about the craziness that's going on at Twitter? And I have thought about it, um, about tweeting something a few times in the past few weeks, because like, I, I, haven't, I haven't gone and joined Mastodon or... This or, is what we're going to talk about. Or, and I haven't, uh, uh, you know, said that I'm leaving Twitter or, um, you know, tweeted about how evil and wicked Elon is. And I mean, I, I, I do think he is. But there's a simple reason for that. Um, you know, I've been in this industry for 10 years now. No, closer to 12 years. And um, I've seen a decent amount of shit. And... <laughs> I have seen how I have seen what an unsustainable situation looks like, and and the one thing that I've that I've I've learned, or one thing I've learned throughout my career is that unsustain unsustainable chaotic environments tend to collapse in upon themselves, <laughs> and so I I I I've, I've simply not said anything because it, it is so chaotic and ridiculous that I am confident that it will not last. And by not last, I don't mean that, like, Twitter will be destroyed. I believe Twitter is more resilient than Elon. I believe that, uh, that Twitter will outlast and, and will, will eventually um, be fine. Um, and uh, I just don't see any, any reason to engage with or feed this megalomaniac's, you know, um, e- ego. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just ignoring it because I think in three to six months, um, uh, Twitter will be more or less fine and Elon may still own it, but 
he's going to have a substantially uh, reduced role in its day-to-day governance. Interesting. Well, that's basically everything I need. Well, I needed to know from you. I mean, I'll I'll share my thoughts too. So uh, and, and and as as to why I'm not going to to to, to other platforms. Um, yeah, Mastodon is the obviously the big one that most folks are going to. T- Twitter is a community space, and I'm not. Um, I'm not gonna let some crazy rich guy just come and like take over a community space and kick us all out. So I I don't plan on leaving yeah i mean for me personally i have not left either not said anything about leaving that's mainly because well it's mainly twofold one is laziness i have like seven twitter accounts Uh, most of them i could drop but like i would have to replicate the podcast one my personal one and my uh meetup one anyway so like it's just gonna be a lot of work but two i also think that this federated model, like email work because it started as federated, but trying to take a website like Twitter, like I already know a bunch of folks that aren't on Twitter because they just think it's silly. Like it's like Facebook, except only status updates, which is like not an inaccurate description of what this website is. <laughs> and uh, to try and convince non-tech folks like, oh, yeah, it's like just a federated version of Twitter. And it's like, well, which one do I join? And it's like, oh, it's just like email. You know, you just anyways, it, I just think it's a odd model. Yeah, and um, and I just Mastodon is like is like a model of Twitter that makes sense solely for like for tech people for tech people. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) and that's the thing is like eighty percent, ninety percent of the people I follow uh, are all tech, but like there are some people like runners and people outside that world that like have hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. Like I don't think that they're going to be percent of the people that I follow on Twitter are tech. And like fifty percent are planes, <laughs> and 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 I I don't just mean like aviation people. I mean it's just like I just follow a lot of planes. Yeah, and it, it should. Bryce alluded to the fact that Elon's evil. Uh, we both agree, but I'll just say for the record, uh, you know, I'm sure we. I, I, okay, co- evil may evil may be wrong. It's not so much that I think that he's evil. It's that it, it's that I it's that I think that he he's he's. He's a very sick man. I think he needs help. Yes. Uh, you know, I I don't know I don't know what happened to him in his. I don't know what trauma happened to him, but um, he's cle- he's clearly not a happy person. He's not. I don't think evil is that far off. Like he's. I used to be in the beginning a huge Elon no, Musk no, 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 fan no, no. because be- evil has purpose. Evil has like like clear goals and plans. He's just chaos. There's no agenda. There's no agenda here. He just wants. He just wants not with pe- Twitter specifically, no, no, no. but he does he have ju- agendas. He, he, no, no, no. He just wants people to think he's cool. That's all. Yeah, that he that, wants. I mean, that is his ultimate goal. He is a narcissist, <laughs> yeah. and he wants people to like him. Yeah. Um. But like, I mean, like I saw- he's take, he keeps taking polls that are. Like, see, I, 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 I promised I wasn't. <laughs> Do you like me? Yes. I, this is this this is the reason that I'm not <laughs> tweeting about Elon. And that I'm, and that I like, this is the one time I'm going to talk about it and that's going to be it. And, and the reason is that like, I don't want to spend all of my time thinking about and being angry at the at Elon Musk. Because you know what? That, that, that's exact. He, he wants all of your attention and you're giving him your attention. Like, I don't well, care about him. I think the thing is, is what he wants is like positive attention. 
No, he um, just wants attention. He he, nah. he he loves to be hated. He loves to be hated. I, but I think he loves to be hated as long as he has his Elon stands. But like, I think a large number of these people that think he's the real life Iron Man are starting to realize well, the, like the, the good, he was just on some Twitter space where someone asked him like he mentioned the stack and how it's like yeah, a I, crazy I, I, stack. <laughs> and then someone was like, all right, like explain the stack. <laughs> and we, he was just like, what? Who are you? We, and then and then he's just like, no, just like explain the stack. And he's like, oh, so you're a jackass. <laughs> Once again, it was, there was the best. There was also one where somebody explained how like internet ad the internet ad market works to him. How like advertisers want to be able to micro to target like very focused audiences. And Elon was just like, "Can somebody mute this guy because he doesn't know what he's talking about?" <laughs> but um, uh, oh god, we're, we're, we're well. No, so it? what I was gonna say was that like read his biography by Ashley Vance. And that was like, so I started off liking, for those that are listening to this being like, you don't understand him, blah, blah, blah. I used to love Elon. Like, I used to think, my God, oh, you know, I, I, making, this, this making the, the world a our, better this place. This may be the end of our friendship because... Used to be. Listen, let me get to the end of the story. I mean, the guy was putting electric cars everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I didn't understand that he stole that company from two guys and reinvented the story and that he's been reinventing every story, blah, blah, blah. He's going to Mars, etc. And then I read the book and there's this one small part in the book where... His executive assistant, who has been working with him, I think, for a decade or two decades at that point, sees all these engineers around him getting paid a lot and asks for a raise and says, you know, the companies are doing well. I feel like I've provided a lot of value. And like if you read the book, basically they paint this person as like the only person that makes Elon like uh, manageable to work with because every high level executive that ever wants to go talk to Elon would go through her first and be like, is it a good hour of the day? Like, you know, it needs to be a Monday at 2 PM and he had to have his, his shreddies in the morning. Otherwise he's in a bad mood and you shouldn't go talk to him. Otherwise he might just fire you on the spot for no reason. So like this person, this woman was apparently like a godsend. Elon's response, take a vacation for two weeks and I'll let you know afterwards. She took a vacation, came back and he fired her. And apparently there was a couple of high ranking executives that like left the company uh, because they were so upset that like Elon had. Anyways, this is the kind of person that like his executive assistant works for him for decades and she asked for a raise and he fought. Anyways, the dude is, is yeah, not a nice I, person. I, I have, um, you know, we have some colleagues at NVIDIA that, that worked at um at various Elon companies, one of one of um, the other principal architects that I uh, work with, I was at SpaceX for a while, um, and um, he, and he's a super nice guy. Um, and the guy that worked at SpaceX. Yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he's, a su- <laughs> he's he's one of the 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 kindest and and, and friendliest people um, that I know at Nvidia, um, and <laughs> sometimes sometimes he's He's told me stories and I just, I, I feel so bad because he's such a nice guy and it must've been such a hostile environment. And he like tells the story and he tells it in a way that, um, I mean, I think he enjoyed his time there, but, um, but boy, does it sound brutal. And then like, I, I know some other people who, who have been, who've spent some short time there and, and there's a few just absolutely, you know, crazy. Like, like Elon sending out email, like getting an email in the morning that, like, hey, at the end of the day, you need to send all the. But like, the thing is, like, these stories sound tame now compared to you know what we're now yeah. seeing. But like, Elon sending emails to all uh, to all the staff, like, hey, at the end of the day, you need to send me a report of what you've done today, and then like just firing random people based on not liking their reports. 
or one, I heard this one story once about um, some VPs were having a meeting with Elon, trying to explain to him that this thing that he thought was going to be ready next week was like not going to be ready for months. And event and everybody's you know um, trying to explain it to him in like gentle terms. And then eventually one VP is like just like explicitly just comes out and just says like Elon, like it's not going to be ready. And he's like, okay, well, I want everybody, I want all the engineers to come into the office tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. so we can sort this out. And tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. is a Saturday. And so everybody comes in at 8 a.m., of course, because they're terrified, because the man rules through fear. And then it's like, it's 8.15, it's 8.20, it's 8.30. Finally, at like 9.20, Elon and some some of Elon's kids like come into the office or factory. I don't remember which company this was at. Um, and somebody's like, hey, you know, like all the engineers are here. They're waiting for you to do whatever you're going to do. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Send them all home. It's like this man just ruined everybody's Saturday morning. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's um, uh, th- there have been. So so you and I work at NVIDIA and, and uh, we have a, a CEO who's also well-known in in uh, whoa i was of, like what are you about to say you're about to compare him to rc is no, no, amazing no, no, no. I, that, that that's what i'm getting at um oh. th- there have been you know J- J- jensen uh who's our the nvidia ceo um is a well-known figure in silicon valley and um over the years there have been some stories that have come out that have said oh you know J- jensen's not not nice to people which is absolutely untrue um uh you know jensen has Jensen sets you know high goals, and yes, he pushes us to to deliver. But out of my entire time in tech, I've never seen a, a CEO who has um, cared as deeply about his employees as Jensen does, and who has done as yeah. much to um, uh, defend and protect his employees, especially during during hard times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think he, he's got some, this, he, he's acquired this reputation of being, you know, a, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say an asshole, but I think that there's some people who believe that about him, which is just not true. And I, I have seen some people compare him to, to, to Elon. And, and I think that that's completely untrue because the, the main difference is, you know, Elon sets ambitious goals and, and pushes people to deliver. And, and so does Jensen. But the difference is that Elon cares 0% about his employees. Whereas Jensen cares deeply about his employees. Yeah. And not, you know, not just like the engineers or the hardware architects, like every single employee yes. that works at yeah. NVIDIA, like from all the way, I don't want to say down to whatever, but just like if you work at NVIDIA, you are com- like treated just as equally. And um, like, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that upon joining NVIDIA. And then when the pandemic hit and offices closed, like, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't... I don't know it's public, so I'm not going to say anything. But like the steps that he took to make sure that everyone was taken care of was like I was like, wow, this is some guy that clearly treats his company like a family. Yeah, and and, and we look at the the steps that were taken to care for Nvidia employees in Ukraine and in Russia. Um, I think Nvidia is is unique in tech companies in the degree to which um, we ensured that our employees in in Ukraine and Russia were were taken care of and had options to get out of the the country. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I I we have one employee on our team who started uh, right before the the war who who um, 
lived, who was a Russian citizen who lived in Russia, and, you know, NVIDIA um, got him out of the country, um, got him, you know, temporary housing, um, you know, increased his, 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 his uh, compensation to, to, to make sure that, that he had the, 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 the resources to be able to, um, to leave. And, and just like really like went above and beyond to take care of this guy. And like, you know, like I think at one point, I, my understanding is that we were chartering planes to fly from Russia to Armenia. Um, we, we just like when, when the commercial airlines shut down, we were just like, all right, well, we'll just, we'll just hire some planes. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, that, that I really, that, um, makes me really grateful. And then, you know, you look at all these other tech companies that are doing layoffs right now. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I can almost assure you that won't happen at NVIDIA. Um, we've, I think there's only been layouts once in NVIDIA's history and it's something that, I, that Jensen really hates doing. And I think there was one time that we did it, his experience with it was so negative that he, he, uh, never wants to do it again. Um, and typically during top periods of financial downturns, Jensen goes out of his way to make sure that everybody gets, you know, a bonus or, or like during the, the pandemic, we were, um, we were all given a bit of a bonus and, and, and a bit of financial assistance just to make like life easier for everybody. Um, and you know, that, that's like what real leadership does. Um, you know, like it is true. I think that, that Jensen can be, um, uh, uh, uh tough on like the executive VPs that report to him. Um, but there's a difference between being, uh, tough on like your executive VPs versus, being like awful to your like line engineers um and like that's what elon is is he's just awful to he punches down you know and that's that's really that's really not acceptable um and you know i think the, the culture of a company um really does come from its leadership and nvidia i think has a great culture um and, and especially one of the things that makes nvidia so great um, is that the, the, the management is really great and supportive for the most part. There's, there, I'm sure there's exceptions to this as there are as at any company, but, um, my experience at NVIDIA has generally been the higher I've gone in the management org, the almost the better, the better it gets. Um, uh, and, and um, there's, there's a ton of inflexibility for employees. Um, you know, I, there's been multiple times in video where I've seen somebody who wasn't unhappy in their role, who their, their management was very accommodating and supportive and sort of helped to move them to, to a better role. And NVIDIA doesn't have this, you know, this culture of these annual performance reviews where, um, it's a huge, big, stressful thing and where everybody, all the employees review each other. It's just, it, it, we really do take care of people, and and I I think especially in a and in, in tough times that that really shows. Like I, I can't think of a better company to be working at um, uh, during uh, uh, the the pan dur during like this period um, and during the pandemic than Nvidia. One final thing I'll add to wrap up this long Twitter Elon and somehow Jensen got wrapped into it. Uh, I retweeted a very wholesome video. Have you seen this video? that floated around on Twitter of Jensen that 
I actually don't know where he was. I want to say he was in Santa Clara near HQ, but he was walking around somewhere and these two Asian girls were doing karaoke in some what looked like some kind of mall and he they were live streaming it and then he walks around in the background and I'm not sure if they noticed or someone in their like Twitch tra- um, chat stream pointed out that Jensen was behind them. <laughs> so then then like uh, they're looking at the chat and then say, Jensen? And then they spin around and see him and then his eyes sort of light up. And then he wanders over, long story short, ends up like requesting a bunch of songs because they ask him like, do you want or I can't remember if he asked, can you sing something for me or he, they offer to. And I, I can't remember. I think it was he asked for a bunch of Lady Gaga songs. Uh, and it's the most wholesome thing. Anyways, they proceed to sing a duet of some song and he stands in the background just sort of like smiling and bobbing his head. It's, it's the most wholesome, wholesome thing I've ever seen of any CEO ever. And uh, anyways. I'll find that video that I retweeted, put it in the links. And uh, point is, Elon sucks. We're, I think both, I mean, I got a little concerned the first time I really saw a red flag because there's been a ton of things that people are talking about. The website's becoming more hostile. Honestly, in my little tech sphere, I haven't noticed much. There's been a couple small bugs that I've seen. Nothing that's like, looks like the website's going down. But when they said that they were going to start blocking, linking to other social platforms. Yeah, but, but I, I was not concerned about that because it was obvious that that was going to be reversed. Yeah, which, you know? which they did revert. Yeah, but like that was the first time I was like, it's first of all, the irony of Mr. Free Speech. Uh, but like, we don't need to talk about that. But then I was like, if this is, if this actually sticks... Like, this is the first thing that I've seen where I'm like, well, maybe this is actually the beginning of the end. Yeah, but, but, but my, see, my, my philosophy is I just, I'm, I, I strongly believe that none of it's going to stick. It, it is unfortunate that Elon is doing his learning in public like this. Like, it, it's unfortunate that, that, like, that this is how he's going to have to learn is by, like, you know, just trashing the site for some period of time. And it, it is... You know, we, we, we also, we also haven't talked about, we haven't really talked about like the human impact of, um, uh, of Elon being at Twitter. It is, um, it is completely inexcusable. It is, it is criminal, uh, uh, what he has done to the employees of Twitter and just the arbitrary nature with which people's, you know, have been fired or, or like forced to resign. Um, like, you know, like, I do think that, that Twitter will be fine. I think in, in spite of Elon, I think that it'll be fine because of all the great engineering and, and all the great, not just engineering, but all, but all the great work that the, 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 the people who have built Twitter have done over the years. And that, that's why I believe that it will be fine because it's a great platform. And I don't think that one asshole can overdo it, uh, can, can, um, undo it uh you know overnight or even you know over the the period of a few months but um you know what what can't be fixed is the the uh the trauma and the uh uh the uncertainty um that that's been unleashed on these people's lives um uh you know that's that's really just completely inexcusable it's like like say whatever you want uh about like Elon's you know uh, management of like the the technical aspects of things um I, I almost to some degree don't care about you know whether SpaceX or Tesla or Twitter are successful as companies 
because of how poorly he treats his people. Like ultimately companies are just collections of people. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if you build great things if you you do it by um, you know, uh being awful to people along the way. Um yeah. you know, I don't I don't I don't want to make drastic comparisons. Um, so I'm not, and I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just, I'll just say that, um, uh, you know, history has shown on multiple occasions that the ends don't justify the means. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, um, if, if you've made great scientific achievements, if you've done it at the cost of, you know, human suffering. Um, yeah. and, and I, and I think that that's what, that's exactly what he's done. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's a little bit drastic to say that because obviously people, you know, um, if you're an engineer that works at Tesla or SpaceX and, and Elon's, you know, really going to ask you, you're still like a, an engineer in a, in, in a, you know, in a pretty cushy job in a first world country, um, you know, getting paid a decent amount, you know, you're not, you know, starving in some other part of the world. You're still fortunate, but people don't, shouldn't be treated like that. Yeah. I am sure behind the scenes, uh, there are a ton of labor lawyers involved with folks that were let go because literally like, and not only were they let go in a demonstrably like terrible way without cause, it seemed, but they did it like publicly, <laughs> like on, like there's a track record of like, oh, you'd said something. All right, you're fired. Yeah. Um, and uh, like literally I would see those tweets and then like <laughs> someone replying like, all right, easiest labor like yeah. lawyer case in history because like it's literally proof of like wrongful termination and without cause. Yeah. So whether or not there's going to be some class action or something, you know, it's maybe not. But I'm I'm sure that there are people working with lawyers right now to rectify to the amount that it can be rectified yeah. uh, the way that people were let go and treated. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, this is supposed to be our holiday episode, so I guess you know. Yeah, what, I was going to say what what, 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 what what we can say is you know. Uh, both you and I um, can be very grateful for the 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 company that we're working in and the management that we have. And I think, uh, you know, everybody in tech should maybe take some time to reflect upon their situation right now. Um, you know, having now seen what has happened at Twitter um, and the past few months, the the um, you know, with, with the, the, the pullback in tech and a lot of companies, um, uh, announcing austerity measures and layoffs and, and, and things like that. Um, I think this is, this is now a good time for us all to reflect upon how fortunate we are. Um, uh, and, and perhaps some of us, um, uh, don't, haven't felt so fortunate in the past in the, the good times, the boom times, um, because maybe they weren't in a perfect situation or setup, but maybe now you come to realize that, you know what, I've actually got it pretty good. Um, you know, all things considered. Um, and, uh, and I, I hope that, uh, that many of our listeners, uh, uh, feel that way. Yeah. Way to end on a, at least way to end this chapter on a positive yeah. note. Yeah. Um, All right. Should I? Should we? Talk, should we talk about where's my where's my list of things we've gotten through? We've gotten through. Uh, yeah, kind of updates. Do you want to do the thing that I DM'd you about on Twitter about uh, that tweet, or do you want to do the topic you DM'd me about? Um, 
you don't remember probably what I DM'd you about because it was a week ago. It was about the tweet about language. That's a very uh, no, I, I don't want to do that today um, because right. um, emotional. Is the compiler well, diagnostics a happy topic? Yes. Um, well, it is actually interesting because, uh, you know, as you know, I work on the inclusive terminology uh, stuff for insights and now for ISO, and and there, there's actually there's been some drama in recent weeks about um, Stanford's inclusive terminology um, uh, guide that went out, and that's been somewhat ridiculed on the internet. For I think some people have suggested that it goes too far. I, you know, it, it, I actually haven't been able to get a copy of it because they made it private now. They made it so that only Stanford uh, uh, employees and students can view it, was where it was previously publicly accessible. Which kind of, <laughs> I, I should have downloaded it as soon as I uh, saw the link. I'm sure, because, we could find it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could. I, I would like to be able to send it to the. the Actually, to here, let's committee. crowdsource it. If you're a listener that has that goes to Stanford, could you please send Bryce? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I legitimately would like to have a copy of it so that I can send it around to the um, the Insights Inclusive Terminology Committee. Whenever we see a new one of those, we'd like to look at it to get um, uh, a feedback on it. Um, but you know, I guarantee what, you, we have a Stanford yeah. listener. So one of the anyways, one of the, so one of the things I've been working on the past uh, you know year or two has been the Inclusive Terminology Guidelines for Insights. But now we're developing a standard for um, Inclusive Terminology. Um, and, um, I, I think it's, it's a bit different than any other inclusive terminology document out there because a lot of the inclusive terminology documents are a list of things. It's like, Hey, don't use this term, use this term instead. Um, and we do have a, a list like that in our document, but our, our guidelines and our standard, um, both have a, a, a substantial front matter that talks about like the process, like. Not just like, you know, you um, uh, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to, to fish, um, and, you know, he'll eat for the rest of his life. And that's sort of the philosophy here, which is we could give you a list of terms to avoid right now, but this is an evolving field and those terms, you know, um, uh, what's acceptable, what's uh, problematic is going to evolve over time as culture shifts. And we also, you know, we're not going to, we're not perfect. We're not going to be able to put everything into that list. And so it's far better for us to teach you the process by which you should evaluate whether um, uh, your your terminology is inclusive. And I think that's really the valuable and unique thing that our that our standard um, uh, uh, will do. Um, and right now we're just developing the um, we're really starting to flush out what those processes are going to look like and really starting to think about it. Um, you know, like like one of the one of the interesting questions is. Well, how do you determine, you know, obviously, if you're going to um, uh, try to determine whether your language is inclusive for, you know, whatever your content is, for your programming language or for your open source project, um, you know, once you've identified a term that might be problematic, that might be non-inclusive, well, how do you make that judgment? Um, And so one of the things we're trying to figure out is how do we define, like, the audience? We don't want to say, like, I don't want to talk about things in terms of stakeholders because that might suggest that people who are who don't have a stake in the project um, uh, shouldn't have input, which I don't think is true. Um, uh, but you, you need some way to um, make it clear that if there's a group of people that 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 take some some um, uh, that find your term that find some term offensive. Um, even if they're maybe not your intended audience for your particular, you know, content, 
um, their opinions are still something that's that's valid. And uh, we're trying to come up with a way to to define the process by which um, organizations and communities can um, uh, work to to reach consensus on whether or not a term should be avoided. Um, and I think it's you know obviously it's a very difficult thing to define, um, but um, I'm I'm very hopeful that it'll be a, a useful thing. Um, and I you know. I, I, as, as somebody who who edits one of these documents, I, I I certainly hear a lot of feedback that some of the things that we've put in maybe have gone a step too far. Like I I, I hear the feedback that like oh you can't like it, I, I I understand people saying it's ridiculous to say that we shouldn't use the term user because it might be offensive to those with a, um, a, a substance um, abuse. Um, uh, problems. Um, you know, some people may say, oh, well, that goes a step too far. Like, you're basically saying we can't use any word. Um, but. I've never heard that one before. I, you know, I, I've never heard that one before. And that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in looking at the Stanford document is because I, I always like to, to learn about new terms that I've, I've never, never previously heard were problematic. Um, I, I guess here's my perspective. Um, when you first tell me that user is a is a term with negative connotations, um, yeah, my gut reaction too is like, okay, that's a step too far. But um, I've been the editor for this inclusive terminology document for two to three years, and the thing I've learned is I never want to be the one making decisions based on my subjective experience um, because that's like the entire root of the problem here is like it doesn't matter what I think um, the what I've trained myself to do is to always ask the question like okay is there evidence that this is actually a problem to some to some community. Like it doesn't matter. Like what I think doesn't matter. What 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 matters is whether this is problematic to some community. And so, like my first gut reaction is always to do research. Um, and and like that's that's almost always um, what's led to the best outcomes. Um, can we can we talk about the the tweet? Now, seeing as you've spent this much time yeah, now talking yeah. about uh, so so I. Here, let me, I had it up on a different screen. Yeah, so this was on December 14th in the midst of uh, our hi hiatus in between recording. And so the part of the reason is that of, of the content of the tweet, but also it's people that we know. So um, the person that sent this tweet out, I hope they don't mind that we're talking about it, is Timur, um, who has given uh, one of the keynotes at the most recent CppCon. I think he's, actually, I, I know he's giving a keynote at an upcoming conference, but I'm not sure it's been announced yet, so... It's another C++ conference, though. Anyways, uh, he tweeted, uh, when reading programming books or articles, I often see phrases like war stories, quote unquote, or being, quote, in the trenches, end quote, referring to switch situations in software development. Please, please stop using these phrases in this context. And then a couple different people, um, the two main notable ones that I know quite well are Barry Revzin and uh, Kate Gregory. Barry, I won't read his whole tweet, but basically said, you know, please stop telling people what they're allowed to say. And then Kate responded saying, you know, we're not, uh, what did Kate 
the gist of what Kate said was like, you know, it's important to choose words carefully. We're not trying to, you know, anyways, there was a back and forth and uh, sort of similar to what you said about user. My initial thought was like, isn't that just sort of like a figure of speech? But then my next thought is like, I never really reach for those phrases and they're not that important to me. So like if someone said, hey, this is uh, effects, you know, you know, I used to fight in some war, you know, I, I would be like, yeah, okay, it's it it decreases any value in my life to like remove those phrases from what I'm able to reach for. But then at the same time, like I sort of, anyway, so I, I was just more interested. You spent a lot more time thinking about this stuff with your experiences. Like what was your reaction when you saw this? I, I won't tell you my reaction because my reaction is irrelevant. What I will tell you is, is my process um, and the process that we've used in the development of our guidelines. Um and uh, well, and, and first of all, I'll give you another example of this. Actually, came up in the last discussion or, um, on the Insights and Christian Terminology Committee, which is somebody pointed out that um, the some weather terminology like cold front. Um, where does front come from in that? Well, it turns out that the etymology of like cold front it actually comes from uh, uh, from from war, from talking about like front lines in a war. Um, and we never, we never actually think about that connotation. Um, uh, but somebody was, was bringing that up and was pointing out like, well, is that, you know, is that um, problematic? Um, but, but so my process, you know, what I would do is I would go and start to do some research and I would go to see, you know, I, I would, I would first want to go and find out, okay, what are the advocacy organizations for um, uh, the impacted communities. And so in this case, that's going to probably be organizations that advocate for or support, um, uh, veterans. veterans, but also specifically, um, veterans who are suffering from PTSD. Um, cause that's probably the people that are most likely to be impacted from this. Um, but, but also it, it may be, um, uh, there's other groups that may be applicable too. For example, how about organizations that advocate for um, refugees from uh, uh, areas affected by war? Um, you know, uh, more topically, um, uh, maybe organizations that advocate for Ukrainian refugees or the Syrian refugees, um, uh, two of the more recent uh, uh, conflicts. And so I would want to go and find a list of, you know, um, organizations like this, make sure that they're, you know, big, notable ones that, that um, uh, are sort of authorities on, on these issues. And I'd want to see whether they have any, um, whether they've taken a stance on, on, on things like this. Um, you know, if, if you look at organizations um, for the, uh, uh, the, the deaf and blind community, um, that they they have taken a stance on how how you should talk about um, uh, the deaf and blind community, and there, there are documents on their website. And so so I would I would go to these you know all those organizations I listed, and I would I would make a list of those organizations. I would go to their websites. I would maybe even go and try to contact their um, their PR people and ask if there's a, there's a stance on this. Um, and I would also go and look for um, articles. Um, uh, you know, um, blog posts, uh, uh, articles on online news venues, just like any anything on the internet, um, uh, talking about um these particular terms, 
Um, and I would, I would try to see like how much, how much evidence is there that this is like an existing issue. Um, that, that this is something that, that is a discussion that, that not just one person has brought up to me. Because a, a lot of people email us on the inclusive, uh, terminology committee or email me and ask, hey, well, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this term and maybe it's problematic. Um, my, my, my first reaction is, of course, well, um, uh, you know, it, it could be, but I really need to see evidence that, that the communities that would be impacted, um, are, are, are talking about this. Um, and if there's, if there's really an absence of, um, of discussion, um, uh, on the topic, then that to me is a, is a signal that, um, it, it's, it's probably not yet become best practice to avoid that term. It's something that we should certainly watch and be aware of, but it, it's probably not um, established that we have consensus that that's something that we should avoid. Um, uh, but of course, the other thing that I, that I can do is I can, you know, try to talk to people in the impacted community. You know, maybe maybe try to see if there's somebody in my network who is, um, you know, uh, a veteran or or a veteran suffering from PTSD who I could just have a chat with and ask them like, like, hey, what's what's your take on this? And I've I've done yeah. that in the past for for um, a couple of different groups. Um, and, and for a couple different topics, um, just, just to, to sort of see like, Hey, like, do you have more information about this? Like, do you, do, or like, do you know of, um, advocacy organizations or, or authors or thought leaders in, in your community who might, you know, have more thoughts on this? Um, because I don't want to be the one making yeah. decisions, um, uh, about these things. I want to, I want to consult and get input and, and determine, what what the best practice is but if i do find that there's evidence that um that this is a controversial topic or maybe not even controversial if i find that there's evidence that people are talking about this or or are are raising the concern that this may be um uh, problematic if i find you know two or three blog articles or a couple different you know uh, uh threads on like various social media platforms that to me is probably a sign, a strong enough signal that the term should be avoided. If, if there is some evidence that there is a controversy uh, or from multiple different authors, um, from multiple different people um, uh, uh, raising raising a concern, that's probably sufficient for me to say, okay, this is this is something that um, people are talking about that that may be controversial, and thus we should avoid it. Yeah, it's a great point. I think it's, you said, you know, you don't want to be the one that makes a decision, but you missed the, what I think is the more important point of that statement, which you said earlier, which is that based on your experience, which is, yeah, immediately when you say that, it makes me think, well, sure, I have some reaction to some phrase or figure of speech or word. And then my initial thought is like, is, is that a big deal? Like, doesn't seem like it, but like, says the guy who has never been, you know, even close to war. Uh, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not the affected uh, demographic that right. is potentially going to have an issue with this. And so it's like, it's like, why would you ask me <laughs> or why would I be involved in the decision-making process? Go ask the people that would actually like, cause I'm sure there's a ton of things like that where you, you hear communities that you are not a part of being upset about something and you're scratching your head going like, why do they care about that? But it's like, you don't have the experience that that group of people has lived to know that like why it's an issue. And your point of going out and seeking like, you know, advice or, uh, you know, to, to learn from that community is 
really what people should be doing. I, I will I will read to you from the the draft of the of, of uh, two key paragraphs from the uh, inclusive terminology standard that that we are developing. Um, uh, okay, so the first paragraph is. Uh, some people experience negative connotations with a term, which can offend, alienate, or exclude them. Negative connotations are subjective. A term can have different meanings to different people based on their experiences and identities. Some terms are offensive and slash or promote bias or stereotypes regarding gender, age, ability, nationality, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, etc. Terms with negative connotations shall be identified and replaced with terms that do not have negative connotations or otherwise remedied. So, so I, I think that when we were drafting this standard, one thing that was very important to me is that we, we, we talk about subjectivity. And in my, my presentation that I sometimes give about, about the standard, um, that's one of the key points that I try to drive home is that it, it's, it, this is inclusive terminology is not an objective search for a right answer um, uh, because it's it's just inherently not objective. Um, if somebody tells you it, 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 that they are experiencing negative connotations with the term, then it, it is a fact that they are experiencing that. You can't be like, oh well, you shouldn't feel that way, or like, oh yeah, oh, I think yeah. you're lying. Um, so like, like if somebody says that they're offended by a term, that is evidence that the term is offensive to some person. Like yeah. th th this is the thing that people just don't seem to understand. It's like, let me invalidate the way you feel because I don't feel the same right, way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so like, it, it, it's as simple as that. Um, uh, but it, it's hard for people to understand that because um typically in society we search for objective truths and we we um uh, uh and we often want to have a logical and and um uh, uh almost scientific discussion uh of things and and then reach some objective truth um, based upon uh, um, uh, facts, um, uh, and uh, that's not what this is. Um, uh, th there is no objective truth to find. The inclusive terminology is about feelings. It's about people's feelings <laughs> and people's ex lived yes, experiences. Exactly, <laughs> um, and and that this is really hard for people to grasp, and it's especially really hard for the tech industry to grasp because so often um, what we care about is the objective truth of something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's some people listening to what you just said and they're like, well, what's the point of even talking about this then? You know, like if it's all just subjective and, you know, there's no real way to find a right answer, you know, what, can we just move on to developing the next C++ 26 standard? And, you know, it's, yeah, but it's important. I mean, I, I will say the, the reason that we're developing an inclusive terminology standard is because we've seen a great demand for it. We developed, uh, at, at the Insight Standards Organization, we developed inclusive terminology guidelines internally for us to use in the development of our standards. And almost immediately, 
a lot of our member organizations were like, ooh, this looks really useful to us. We're trying to figure out how to do this within our within our company, like not just for standards, but just like for all the things we're doing. Like, can we use this? How should we use this? And we're like, well, no, 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 no. This is, that's not like what this was intended for. Um, but, you know, maybe we can go develop a standard for that purpose. So there is, I think, great demand in the industry for, um, uh, uh, for best practices and processes for how to do that. And the, and the reason is that, um, every, no, nobody wants to exclude people, um, uh, if, if they can help it. And, and I, I think there's a, there's a recognition by most organizations, um, at an organizational level that, that this is the right thing to do and that this is the, the way to go. Um, and, um, and, you know, I think that five to ten years from now, this would just be a, a, an accepted best practice across the industry. Yep. And it, and it costs us, it costs us very little to, um, uh, to pick different language. And, you know, one, one of the early points that was made during this process within Insights, um, was, you know, some, somebody, one, one of my, my, my colleagues at Apple who, who unfortunately no longer is involved in, um, uh, developing the standard, um, uh, because he's, uh, he's, um, started, uh, the process of retirement, I believe. Um, but, uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, when we write standards or when we write technical documents, our goal is to be concise and precise and unambiguous in, in what we're stating. That, that if, if, if you're, if you're, goal is to be, you know, is that sort of that search for objective truth, um, uh, uh, then you should want your writing and your, you know, APIs and your, you know, any, any sort of content that is going to be consumed by people or even by machines, um, you would want it to be unambiguous and, 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 and precise and clear. And so, even if you don't agree that, you know, this term is offensive, like, isn't merely the fact that there are multiple meanings to it, that there's an interpretation that you didn't intend, like, you should want to avoid that for no, if, if for no other reason than to, to make it less ambiguous. Um, like, you should want it to be clear and, and, and simple and, and have just one meaning. Hmm. That's a good point. So while we've been talking about all this, I figured out the title for our holiday special episode. It's going to be called Holiday Special, Trees Travel Twitter and Terminology. We're going to close this Christmas special episode out, holiday special, say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy all the religious and non-religious holidays. Anything you want to say to close this episode out, Bryce? I would just say happy holidays, everybody. And uh, thank you all for uh, for listening to this podcast um it it uh it consistently surprises me that people find it so interesting to listen to us chatting <laughs> um and uh, chaos with sprinkles of yeah, information yeah um and it it uh it really warms my heart whenever i run into somebody at a, at a conference or an event and they say oh they listen to the podcast and and listening to the podcast makes them feel like they're 
um, you know, in the room with us and they're, they're, you know, one of our friends and like, they know what's going on in our lives. And, and that, that, that's exactly, I think what we're, what we're going for. Um, and, um, and I hope that you feel that way. Cause that's, that's what I want you to feel is like, this is like, um, you know, if you're, if you're a listener, then you're our friend too. Um, and so thank you friend for, for listening to us, for tolerating us. Yep. <laughs> and, and maybe 2023, you know, we've got the Slovenia trip on the books and maybe also, the, the, we got to start thinking about merch stickers. Yeah. We can start with stickers. We there is a the C plus plus committee meeting in um uh in Varna, Bulgaria. Um, so that is the general, you know, the region of the world to do that road trip. And my girlfriend has a lot of um Hertz points, so we could we could rent the car. We could rent the car. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know whether Hertz operates in Slovenia, um, but they, they do operate in, uh, uh, the Netherlands. Um, uh, although as, (laughs) as we learned, the, uh, the Netherlands very strict on, uh, their speed limits. Um, may have, may have acquired a few tickets there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, stay I, tuned. I, I, we might have some stickers to give away at some conferences oh, in yeah. 2023. Some swag. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, what's what's yeah, our we'll what's see. our what's our well wait why are we giving them away why are we giving them away? Uh, I mean, what we're gonna charge people for them? Um, yeah. Maybe. First of all, I absolutely disdain cash, so the only way we would be selling these stickers would be with some kind of what do they call those things that you attach to a cell phone and then you swipe the credit cards on? Stripe yeah, or something? I, I, ha- oh. I have one that I use for, um, for, for include, but maybe we could, uh, maybe we could sell some, some, mer- we could like create like an online store and sell some merch or sell some stickers. It is true. And then we could, it's... we could give the money to some, you know, to some worthy cause. Yeah, yeah. This is true. I mean, we could either, we could do one of two things. We could create the store and then just like, um, I know a couple of people that have done that and then they just do it right at cost. So like there's actually no profit and yeah. it's just, it goes directly into the product or we could do it at some margin and then, and then we choose some organization to, to give the money to. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe we could, not, maybe we could have an ADSP, uh, a scholarship to allow somebody to go attend some, uh, some well, you really, you really think there's going to be a lot of stickers being bought, my guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I think there'll be a lot. Of, I mean, I think if, if it's for a good cause, there, there could be. I mean, uh, we've only got, I don't know how many views or downloads we've had in, to- in total, but I think it's, it's you know, like 300, 400,000 levels. So that's across 100 episodes. I mean, everyone would need to buy a lot of stickers in order. <laughs> or we'd need to be charging a, a pretty penny, $20 per sticker. Yeah, no? yeah. <laughs> t-shirts. We can do T-shirts. The, the margins of T-shirts too. are, like, always amaze me. Like, uh, anytime I go to, like, buy, a, a, a like, a branded T-shirt, um, uh, you know, there was like 30 or 40 bucks and it's like, you know, the mar- they gotta be killing it. Stay tuned folks. We will look into a merch store and merch 2023. T- tell, tell, us, tell us what merch you want. Like shirts with pictures of Bryce's dog. Um, <laughs> I just figured it would be one thing and it would be the logo. No, uh, no, 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 no. There's going to be other things that they're going to want. There's going to be other things. You realize though, I'm doing all the work. You're not no, going to no, do no. this No, 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 I, I, Because I, I actually run the, the, the U.S. Um, shop for Include. Um, I, although I forget what platform it's on. But 
Like I actually, this is like one thing that like I actually know how to do and can and can do. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, then we can get as creative as because I was thinking it's going to be one type of thing that logo, <laughs> and that goes on either a mug or a t-shirt or a hoodie. No, no, no. Um, I, it, we can. Uh, uh, we we can we can do some. I would say actually a hoodie that has the color of our logo, which is like a deep maroon yeah, that'd be nice. with the little white letters is actually would be a pretty nice because uh, we don't have like a crazy colored logo like some yeah. podcasts. Um, anyways, happy holidays. We're wrapping up this holiday special episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and we hope you have a very, very happy holidays.